A trail of bodies wrapped in burlap is discovered on New York's Gilgo Beach. Thirteen years later, a monogrammed belt, a half-eaten pizza crust, and a series of phone calls crack the case. Let's recap. You could say the disappearance of Shannon Gilbert accidentally exposed the burial grounds of the Long Island serial killer. 24-year-old from Jersey City, New Jersey, dreamed of a career on the stage, but in May 2010, she was working as an escort. Then, she disappeared. She was still missing almost eight months later later when a police officer and his dog found a body near Gilgo Beach, the area where Shannon was last seen. It was decomposed to the bone, wrapped in burlap and hidden in the thick brush lining the busy parkway. But this wasn't the missing girl. It was Melissa Bartholomew, 24. She lived in the Bronx and worked as a hairstylist with a side job as an escort. On July 10th, 2009, the night she went missing, she saw a client, deposited $900 in her bank account, and tried calling an old boyfriend. That was the last anyone heard from her for a week. Then her 15-year-old sister got a call from her phone, but it wasn't Melissa. A strange man said this to her, quote, do you know what your sister is doing? She's a whore, end quote. He called seven more times over the next six weeks, every call under three minutes. He always called in the evenings, always spoke in a low, calm voice, and only talked to the teenager. If her mom got on the phone, he hung up. His calls were pure torture. He bragged about all the sexually explicit things he supposedly did to Melissa, and the things he wanted to do to the teenager. He even told her that he knew where she lived and he was coming for her. On the last call, he told her Melissa was dead and he was going to watch her rot. For almost 30 years, Monday through Friday, like clockwork, Rex Hewerman put on a suit and tie, picked up his briefcase, kissed his wife goodbye, and walked from his home in Massapequa Park to the train station to get to his office in Manhattan. Rex was a hulking man standing six foot four, 250 pounds with a brooding gait. If you locked eyes with him, the hairs on the back of your neck might stand up. But to his neighbors, he was just a 59-year-old married father of two who kept to himself. As far as they knew, the only thing off about him was his house. For a man who owned the Manhattan architectural firm, RH Consultants and Associates, his small house was more ramshackle than renovated. In fact, it was so run down and creepy, mothers kept their kids away from it on Halloween. Very few of his neighbors knew Rex actually grew up in that house with his parents and brother. He bought the place from his mother in 1994, and he's lived there with his family ever since, just across the bay from the spot where police would later find the bodies. On December 13th, 2010, two days after they found Melissa Bartholomew, three more bodies turned up in the same area. Amberlyn Costello, Maureen Brainerd Barnes, and Megan Waterman. Together, they were dubbed the Gilgo Beach Four because they had so many disturbing things in common. All four were dumped close to each other, only about 500 feet apart, and each girl was wrapped in burlap. It was obvious from the beginning their killer had a type. The girls were all escorts, advertising services on Craigslist. They were pretty and petite, in their early to late 20s, and they all died violently. Amber Costello, 27 years old, lived on Long Island, about 10 miles north of the spot where her body would later be found. She stood less than 5 feet tall and weighed only about 100 pounds, but her roommate, Dave, told the Daily Beast she wasn't afraid of anything. Two of them, they had a system. Amber used his phone to schedule clients, and he would watch when they picked her up. Sometimes, he'd even be nearby to step in in case things got out of hand. On September 1st, 2010, Amber fielded a handful of calls from a new client. By 10.30 that night, they'd agreed on a price, $1,500. After midnight on September 2nd, the client showed up at the house. When he walked in, Amber pulled a fast one. According to court documents, she had a friend with her, pretending to be her angry boyfriend, demanding to know what was going 
going on. Rex allegedly turned around and left, saying he was just a friend and he'd call Amber later. Meanwhile, Amber kept the cash he brought. At 1.18 a.m., she got a text from him. That was not so nice. So do I credit for next time? He called her several times that day, wanting to see her. He offered to pick her up, but refused to come inside again. Around 11.30 p.m. on September 2nd, 2010, Amber left her house without her phone to meet up with this client. She was never seen alive again. When her body was found about two months later, her friend described the man he saw to police. He was hard to forget since he looked like an ogre. Big man with dark hair and glasses. And there was something else. His Chevy Avalanche had been parked in the driveway. Her friend remembered it because in between the bed of the truck and the cab, the trim forms a distinctive triangle shape. It was a good lead, but hard to track down without more details. And there's something else. At the same time Amber disappeared, Rex's wife, daughter, and stepson had left him home alone. They were traveling in New Jersey and didn't come home until three days after Amber was last seen. The police don't think that's a coincidence. You'll soon learn the family's trips coincided with the last days the victims were seen alive. Megan Waterman was 22 and living in Scarborough, Maine when she went missing in Long Island on June 6, 2010. Rex's wife and kids were vacationing in Maryland at the time. Back home in Long Island, Megan was last seen leaving her hotel to meet up with a client around 1.30 a.m. Her phone traveled to Massapequa Park and pinged for the last time at 3.11 a.m. near Rex's house. Months later, her body was found about 15 miles away. She was bound with duct tape. Maureen Brainerd Barnes was a single mom from Norwich, Connecticut. She worked two jobs as a cashier and telemarketer and told her family she was getting into modeling. But, as you know, making ends meet is harder than it sounds. When the eviction notice showed up in the mail, a desperate Marine thought she'd try being an escort, but only temporarily just to pay the bills. In June 2007, she traveled into New York to see clients. A friend of hers told 48 Hours Marine had regulars she was visiting. Then she seemed to fall off the face of the earth. A few days later, her friend got a strange phone call. A man told her Maureen was alive and well at, quote, a whorehouse in Queens. He described Maureen perfectly. Her body was later found tied with three leather belts. Over the next 12 years, the case turned cold while the Suffolk County Police and District Attorney's Office dealt with a series of internal scandals that will leave you shaking your head in disbelief. In early 2016, the police commissioner at the time, James Burke, was convicted of beating and threatening to murder a man by shooting him up with tainted heroin. What did this guy do to deserve that kind of treatment? Apparently, he attempted to steal Commissioner Burke's duffel bag out of the trunk of his car. Now, is that bad enough to warrant a beatdown? In this case, the duffel bag wasn't filled with gym clothes. Instead, the commissioner was storing violent hardcore porn, sex toys, his gun, and cigars in it. It's been said the commissioner also went out of his way to slow down the investigation by demoting the head of the task force and forbidding the departing investigators from discussing the case with anyone on the squad. And he turned down the FBI's help early on. Then there was the Suffolk County District Attorney, Thomas Spoda. He helped James Burke become the commissioner in 2012, a move he probably regrets because in June 2020, Thomas was disbarred for obstructing justice in the investigation into his protege. After a massive regime change in the Suffolk County Law and Crime Departments, the notorious case started moving forward again. In January 2020, police released a critical piece of evidence they'd been keeping from the public, a black leather monogrammed belt.
belt tied around Maureen. It's embossed with the initials W.H. or W. Hewerman, allegedly. The W stands for someone in Rex's family, according to the district attorney. But how did they zero in on Rex? Well, it all came back to those phone calls. By early 2022, a special task force was formed in partnership with the FBI, the DA, and law enforcement. Their goal? To finally solve the Gilgo Beach case once and for all. They went back to their first real lead, those taunting phone calls to Melissa Bartholomew's little sister. By the third call, the cops were tracing them, but the mysterious caller kept the conversations under three minutes, and they were only able to narrow it down to two general areas, Midtown Manhattan and Massapequa Park, only a short drive from Gilgo Beach. From there, the task force worked the cell phone data hard. They matched the location of the victim's phones with burner phones, and every time, the trail ended in the same areas in Manhattan and Massapequa Park. Burner phones are popular with criminals because they're notoriously hard to trace back to the owner, but the task force had another piece of the puzzle to help them narrow it down even further. Remember Amber Costello's roommate? He described her client and his Chevy Avalanche, which helped the police trace registrations to that vehicle in Massapequa Park. When they compared the registered owners to the description of a big man with dark hair and glasses, they landed on Rex Hewerman, a man who fit that description perfectly, and as it turned out, his Manhattan office was only two blocks from Penn Station, where a lot of those calls were made during the day. Less than two months after the task force was put together, they had Rex on their radar, but they needed more evidence. The DNA was the final clue police used to zero in on him. The monogrammed belt wasn't the only damning clue the killer left behind. Hairs found on the bodies, on the tape, and on the burlap bag wrapped around one victim, all traced back to Rex and Rex's wife. Now, to be clear, she's not charged with anything. Rex probably picked them up at home, then transferred them to his alleged victims. Officers dug through the family's garbage and got his wife's DNA off a water bottle. Rex's DNA came from a pizza crust he threw away after lunch in the city. DNA is a strong piece of evidence, but the task force wanted this case ironclad. For more than a year, they secretly watched him. As investigators dug into Rex's life, they quickly found out he was still up to his old trick. They dug into his credit card records and found a Tinder account he was using under the alias Andrew Roberts. That led them to a burner phone with an AOL email account that was set up in 2011 under the name John Springfield. From there, they found the selfies he was sending to prospective dates. He snapped the picture in the bathroom mirror, making it very obvious that Rex Hewerman, Andrew Roberts, and John Springfield were all the same man. Another email account in the name Thomas Hawk was used for thousands of searches related to sex workers, sadistic torture-related pornography, and child pornography. According to court documents, search phrases included 10-year-old schoolgirl, girl hogtied torture porn, and pretty girl with bruised face porn. As if that's not disturbing enough, here's something even more chilling. Rex was allegedly trying to find the victim's family members. Police say he checked out hundreds of images of victims online and tried to find out where their children and sisters lived. Can you imagine how horrible it must have been for them to hear that? Rex was also very worried about what the task force was up to. Between March 2022 and June 2023, police say Rex searched for information on the Gilgo Beach murder investigation more than 200 times. He allegedly searched, why could law enforcement not trace the calls made by the Long Island serial killer? Why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been caught? And the name John Bitt. 
Bitroth, which is very interesting. Stick with me for a moment. John Bitroth was a married father working as a carpenter in Manorville, Long Island. In 2014, he was arrested for the murders of two sex workers in the early 90s, Rita Tangretti and Colleen McNamee. They were both found beaten and strangled about 20 minutes from Manorville, 40 minutes from Gilgo Beach. Police have long speculated that there may be more than one killer at work, and there are other strange connections between this case and Manorville. In the months after they found the Gilgo Beach Four, police discovered the remains of six more people, four women, a man, and a baby girl. Only two of the women have been identified, Jessica Taylor and Valerie Mack. Like the Gilgo Four, they both worked as escorts, and they both were petite in their 20s, but unlike the other four victims, Jessica and Valerie were dismembered. Their remains were found scattered miles apart and identified at different times. Valerie Mack was last seen in the late spring of 2000 in Port Republic, New Jersey. Her torso was found in November 2000. It was wrapped in garbage bags and dumped in the woods in an isolated area of Manorville. Her head, right foot, and hands were found hidden in the brush on Gilgo Beach in April 2011. Jessica Taylor went missing in July 2003. Her torso was found that same month in Manorville, the same area where Valerie's torso was found. In March 2011, Jessica's head, hands, and forearm were found on Gilgo Beach, less than two miles away from Valerie. The other two women found were also dismembered, but they haven't been ID'd yet. They are known as Jane Doe number 7 and Jane Doe number 3. Jane Doe number 7 is also known as Fire Island Jane Doe. Her murder can be traced back to 1996. That's when a couple out on a stroll found her severed legs wrapped in plastic in Davis Park on Fire Island. That's a little less than an hour away from where her skull was found, on Gilgo Beach in April 2011. The man is also unidentified. He is an Asian man who was found missing teeth, bludgeoned to death, and partially dismembered. The baby was a little girl between 16 and 24 months old. Her body was wrapped in a blanket, and she was still wearing gold hoop earrings and a gold necklace like her mother, Jane Doe number 3. Jane Doe number 3 is also known as Peaches for the bitten peach tattoo on her torso. Her remains were found in June 1997 near the shoreline in Hempstead Lake State Park. That's about 13 miles away from the place investigators found the rest of her remains wrapped in plastic in April 2011. Her daughter's little body was found hidden 10 miles away from her next to the remains of Valerie Mack. And how about this for a coincidence that will knock your socks off? There were several calls made to an unknown number in Manorville from Melissa Bartholomew's phone right before her disappearance. We don't know if there's a connection or if they will be able to link Rex Hewerman to all 10 victims. For now, the law is focusing on putting him away for the Gilgo Beach Four. Over the years, speculation revolved around the killer being a gardener or a contractor, but now we know the burlap bags weren't made for landscaping, they were camouflage made for hunting, probably chosen by the killer for their unique ability to keep the bodies hidden. If it wasn't for Shannon Gilbert, they might never have been found. Shannon herself is not considered to be linked to the case. Her body was found off Ocean Parkway in December 2011, about half a mile away from where she was last seen. Her cause of death is listed as undetermined, but police think it was an accident. Her family strongly disagrees. On July 13, 2023, the task force took their prime suspect down. Undercover officers swarmed Rex Hewerman on the sidewalk near his Manhattan office that night. At the press conference announcing the arrest, the DA said Rex was definitely surprised. He's pleading not guilty. 
And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, go ahead and tap that subscribe button so you never miss a story. But don't go away. Catch up on more recaps right here, right now. Until next time, take care.